I'm Captain Kirk. Fascinating. <laughs> I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. Thank you, thank you. Love you. Most illogical. I saw. Well, that was different. Yep, rousy, but different. Places, please. And here we go. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, bears, chickens, nausicans, and things to episode Ooh. 58 of the Muppet Trek podcast. I'm Jarman. And I'm Steve. We're here to compare, contrast, and confer about our two favorite franchises. Jarman, remind the folks what those are. Those are, of course, The Muppets and Star Trek. And we do one-to-one reviews of The Muppet Show and Star Trek, the original series. And this week, we have special Muppet Show guest Liberace <laughs> in the original series episode, The Enterprise Incident. Yes. But before we get into the reviews, Jarman, do we have any feedback this week? Just a little piece of fun feedback. Uh, for our last episode where we reviewed uh, Spock's brain, uh, Paul Wright on Facebook very appropriately commented, brain and brain, what is brain? Brain. <laughs> That's all. Just it was fun. Thanks, Paul. That's that was good. a good little chuckle. I liked it. <laughs> so, Steve, tell us about our guest star on The Muppet Show this week, Liberace. Tell us all well, about it. he's an American pianist, singer, entertainer, and sometimes actor. And for nearly 20 years, from the 50s to the 70s, including this time frame here, he was the highest paid entertainer in the world. Wow. With residencies in Vegas, performing all across Europe and the U.S., he was very sought after. Liberace uh, was flamboyant and over the top, but for his whole career, denied allegations of being gay. Even going so far as to sue a British periodical who said the following of him, and I quote, The summit of sex, the pinnacle of masculine, feminine, and neuter. Everything that he, she, and it can ever want, a deadly, winking, sniggering, snuggling, chromium-plated, scent-impregnated, luminous, quivering, giggling, fruit-flavored, mincing, (laughs) ice-covered heap of mother love. What in the world? And he sued them. And his famous quote that actually came out of that is, yes, I laughed. I laughed all the way to the bank. Wow, because I I think I would love to be called all those things. That sounds wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This was further confused by his seeming relationship with one of his drivers uh, and then also ongoing relationships with female celebrities. And uh, his his driver later sued him for palimony, which was something I'd never heard of. But it's essentially alimony for long term live in pals relationships. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, and in 2011, Betty White stated that he was gay and that she was often used by his handlers to disguise this. Mm. Uh, well, he was diagnosed with HIV, HIV positive in 1985. Several ex-lovers came out of the woodwork afterwards, uh, claiming that he infected them. He sought no treatment and it quickly developed into AIDS and he died of pneumonia February 4th of 1987. Damn. And there's a great movie, Beyond the Candelabra, I believe it's called, um, that uh-huh. was on HBO, probably available on HBO Max with Matt Damon playing his long-term male lover and um, Mike, uh, Michael Douglas playing yeah, Michael Liberace. Douglas. And it's actually a really good movie. Um, I recommend it. So what's he doing on the stage this week? Well, the truth is not a whole hell of a lot. Uh, Kermit introduces Liberace as Rolf kind of sulks around the stage with a candelabra because he's the piano player. <laughs> Uh, He then introduces a Greek opening number featuring Never on a Sunday with Piggy singing with a bunch of pigs. Uh, Animal mistakes bazooki for bazooka and blows everything up. Next, we have the Swedish chef's kitchen where he's using a fancy coffee percolator. It's then discovered that he has a percolator in his head and suddenly the entire sketch transitions to a veterinarian's hospital. That was wonderful. (laughs) It was a weird mashup and Kermit doesn't even understand what just happened. Uh, 
Liberace. Okay, this is all backstage. Never mind. On stage, Piggy uh, goes on to sing an, an operatic garb, and she performs "I Want to Sing an Opera" while nearly knocking down the set. And then she's joined by other operatic pigs. Finally, we get Liberace on stage to perform. He's decked out in this crazy glittering outfit, and he begins playing chopsticks, but like real fancy chopsticks. He goes through several several styles. We then get some banter between him and Statler and Waldorf. And uh, Liberace explains that he's dedicating this concert to the birds. Hmm. We then get Chopin's Nocturne Number no. Five. A seascape appears behind him, and seagulls float in in as he performs in sort of a misty fog. He's then joined by some full-size bird dancers who do ballet behind him. Finally, a cavalcade of silly tropical birds and one giant silly, a couple of giant silly birds come and perform with him. Uh, has anybody seen my gal? And he even joins in for a dance at the end. And he sings. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, backstage this week is primarily around the auditions to uh, Liberace's auditions for birds. Gonzo claiming he's a turkey and trying to get in on the act. And Liberace checking in to let everyone know how's, how it's going. Kermit thanks Liberace. Gonzo is outraged that he didn't get to use his chicken act. But Liberace says he's going to take him to Vegas with him. Hell yeah. And that is what we call the Muppet Show. Jarman, what did you think of this week's episode with Liberace? I'm already getting from your tone that you weren't the biggest fan, but I could be wrong. But I actually really enjoyed what they did with the host that they had. Um, it's kind of like if they had had, um, oh, God, the ballet dancer that was on, uh, Nureyev. Yeah, Rudolf Nureyev. Um, and that person just had no acting ability, nothing outside of their dance. Luckily, Nureyev had more stuff he wanted to do, which is cool. He was in some more of the sketches. But um, Liberace... He's a piano player. That's mainly his big thing. And they played that to its biggest strengths. Um, and they crammed in a bunch of good Muppet stuff and moments and, and bits and songs in the beginning. And then even announced that it's going to be a concert at the end. And then so we knew what to expect. And then the concert was really a good showcase, not only of Liberace's talents, but also of all the different Muppets they can do, like people Muppets where they're actually dancing and big old Muppets that are eight foot tall and then regular size Muppets. And so... I think they utilize this guest perfectly. Um, and it wasn't like any, there wasn't a lot of laugh out loud moments or anything like that, but it was just, I think it was very well done for what they had, where they don't always cater to the, what their guest is good at as good as they can. Maybe the guests usually get too much of a say in that. Um, whereas this, I think worked perfectly. So I, I think it was, it was a great episode. I think this was a pile of shit <laughs> and I can easily say it's in my bottom three. Wow. Without even seeing the rest of season three, I can tell you right now, this outdoes at least a few of my current bottom three. Wow. I was not expecting that. What was Liberace actually in? He did an intro with Scooter, yeah. which was like three lines. He literally did a one-line check-in. We have never seen a guest do this before. One-line check-in. It won't be long now. I'm down to 10 finalists for the birds competition. <laughs> and well, then that was it. That was literally it. And then the big concert. But who did he actually interact with? The first number, he just sits there. <laughs> he does chopsticks, which is great. Yeah, Don't get yeah. me wrong. It's great, but it's great in any show. Yeah, that's true. Then it cuts to the seascape where we get those seagulls and nothing else. And I get flashbacks to Florence Henderson walking through a forest with butterflies. <laughs> that's true. That was our worst episode. <laughs> and then the only real interaction was him with Sam Eagle. 
and the last number with the birds. And Statler and Waldorf. There's a great and a moment little, with him and Statler, bit of Statler and Waldorf. Waldorf. Little bit of Statler it was the Waldorf. one time Statler and Waldorf enjoyed the but show. What a throwaway guest. <laughs> Liberace did not come to do a Muppet show. The Muppets had to do a Liberace show. <laughs> and it was awful. It was awful. For such a over-the-top, flamboyant, experienced performer, what a throwaway. Wow. What a throwaway Liberace was. I, I agree with you now that you're saying that, that they could have done more with him and interacting with him. Anything. He wasn't in anything. <laughs> but maybe it's like they kind of gauged how he was in a pre-interview with the producers and like, okay, he's not going to be really good to be like moving around or doing much with outside of his comfort zone. So we're going to make this work the best we can. And that's why I think they did so well is they made See, they made it their own. I, I feel the sort of the opposite end of that which is this is sort of like a, the bob hope syndrome Ooh. which is liberace was too famous and too busy and so they only had like a day with him just sit here and play piano yeah sit here and do your shtick we don't have time to incorporate you in anything else hmm. do shtick here's seven lines I don't know why. I just feel like this one didn't bother me like the other ones that are like that. I don't know what you're saying. Those other episodes he, are terrible. Hearing that he at this time was like literally the highest paid performer in the world makes perfect sense to me. Like yeah. He, like in that same that Bob Hope, he was too famous to be on the Muppets. I just didn't care enough. But he seemed to have a good time, though. He was always smiling. He was that yeah, energetic. Or Bob Hope was like, I'm on dead on face. stage. You know, like Bob Hope. Look didn't. at that. Look at that smile and tell me in any sense of the word that's a genuine smile. That is a smile that Liberace puts on for every performance he ever did in his 60-year career. <laughs> this is I never thought our Liberace episode would be so contentious. This is amazing. This I didn't <laughs> think he would be that bad. I was so I was like, oh my God, Liberace, this is gonna be awesome. I was so disappointed. <laughs> but yeah, oh, him performing amazing. with seagulls and a seascape, I was like, okay, something funny and Muppety is gonna come in any second, right? Nope. Right? <laughs> right? Oh. I guess I was enthralled by his piano playing and then the beautiful Muppets that were performing alongside him. And that just kind of worked That's for me. true. He did get to really showcase his talent. But the Muppet Show has always been about giving the guests a chance to do something else. Well, that's why I just want to read my favorite episode, because my favorite episodes of the Muppets are appearing to be the ones where the guests interact with them the best. And he's not going to be one of those. I just think this didn't fall into my bottom episodes because they did so well with what they were given and they showcased the Muppets very well, but it won't be a best episode because the two of them weren't working together. Like you were saying, like there, there wasn't a lot of interaction between them. It was them both being virtuosos separately in the same this, episode. The, the only thing good about this episode is that it might bail out Florence Henderson from being the worst episode. Oh my God. Not for me. She's still the for worst. Me. For me, <laughs> true. She will always be in someone's bottom three. <laughs> that being said, we have two and a half seasons to go. Anything can Anything happen. happen. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, um, Steve, give us some, some info on the, the songs from this episode. Never on a Sunday from the Greek film of the same name. This actually won the Academy Award for Original Song in 1960. Hmm. I want to sing an opera written by Jerome Kern. He's had a couple other songs on the show previously, including Who with the Owl, uh, Smoke It's In Your Eyes, and I Won't Dance. You Can't Make Me. Nice. Chopsticks. Originally called The Chop Waltz, it was written by a 16-year-old Scottish female composer named Euphemia Allen. It was called The Chop Waltz because it was made to be played with your palms facing each other, only with your pinkies. 
chopping the keyboard. That's awesome. It was designed to be played like foolishly. <laughs> I never knew that. Uh, Misty, also known as Chopin's Nocturne Number no. Five by Frederick Chopin, uh, before his death, he requested that his heart be removed and preserved in a vase. And this was then sent back to his homeland of Poland in 1850. <laughs> his heart is still there somewhere. Weird. Uh, five foot two eyes of blue, also known as has anybody seen my gal? Uh, controversy who actually over who actually wrote the song is kind of prevalent, but the most popular mm. version was recorded by the California Ramblers in 1925. This song has been covered by people like uh, Nick Klukas, who used it in the 1974 Great Gatsby. Other famous covers include Dean Martin and Mila Jovovich. Really? There's a video online of Mila Jovovich covering Five Foot Two Eyes of Blue. I will watch that. She's one of my favorites. I know you will. That's why I had to write it down. (laughs) Thank you, Steve. I appreciate that. Jarman, what did you think was the best Muppeteering moment in this abomination of an episode? Well, I kind of showed my cards early because um, there were good numbers with them and stuff. And like the the pigs uh, opera number was pretty good with a lot of involvement. But I really thought that if you just ignored Liberace for his concert at the end of Birds, they got to showcase all of their talents, uh, the dancing, the the big, huge puppets, the smaller puppets. And it's like that was just a great Muppeteering moment all around because it took a lot of effort on their part. Like you would probably say that to carry the episode. And they kind of did that in that. Yeah, I give it. I, I also I give it to the ballet birds specifically. Oh, yeah. Yeah. To, to hold that level of elegance and coordination with those huge oversized heads. Yeah. And what must have been terrible sight lines was kind of a highlight in this. Oh, I guess we're watching Liberace play piano for six minutes <laughs> yeah, for 23 minutes. Uh, so, Jarman, what happened on this week's episode of Star Trek, the original series? All right. So quick note on the Enterprise incident. This episode, uh, funny enough, this was the first my first entry ever into podcasting uh, was when I went on as a guest of the uh, the 10 forward podcast back in probably 2013. Um to talk about my desert Island Trek, which is my favorite episodes that I bring on desert Island with me of star Trek. And I picked this one uh, at the time to go with me as my original series episode or one of them. Um, so yeah, that's, it just has a connection to us ever podcasting in general. Cause I just, that was my first ever intro into podcasting. So thanks. And now that we're rewatching, is it still in that desert Island category? Um, I think there's a lot of good things to it. I'm not sure if, if my modern brain thinks it's in my top three or whatever, but it's definitely a good episode in my opinion. But younger Jarman was just smitten. I was smitten for some reason. Yeah. So <laughs> the enterprise incident, we'll get and talk about discussion later, but we have a very agitated and very angry Kirk that's ordering the Enterprise to go into Romulan space, seemingly without any Starfleet orders to do so, which is freaking everybody on the bridge out. And as soon as they get into Romulan space, Romulan vessels intercept the Enterprise, seemingly out of nowhere, and they are ordered to surrender. But Kirk threatens to blow up the ship if they try to take the Enterprise. So the Romulan commander offers a trade where Spock and Kirk will beam aboard the Romulan vessel and talk while the Romulans beam over two Romulans to hold as hostages in exchange. So Kirk and Spock are greeted on the Romulan ship once they beam over by the female commander. It's a big reveal that it's actually a female. And (laughs) Kirk tries to tell her that the only reason he entered Romulan space was due to equipment failure. And she doesn't believe him because he's with the flagship that how could it be that big of an equipment failure with the wonderful ship? So she questions Spock, who she believes, since he's a Vulcan, cannot lie. So Spock tells her that Kirk has been acting very erratically and that he ordered the Enterprise into their space all on his own and was not acting on Starfleet orders. 
And at this, Kirk crazily yells at the scenery and at Spock that he's going to kill him. And he goes crazy. I'll kill you. I'll kill you. And the Romulans send Kirk to their brig. So then Spock uh, joins the female commander in her quarters. And she seemingly tries to seduce him, basically, to join the Romulans. And she's really digging his half-human, half-Vulcan Vulcan vibe. And uh, Spock seems to be receptive at the time. Meanwhile, back in the Romulan brig, Kirk tries to run into the laser jail barrier, <laughs> seemingly injuring himself. So the Romulans send for Bones from the Enterprise to come help him, uh, to treat him, basically. And this brings the female commander and Spock back to the brig to see what the hell's going on. And Bones confirms to her that Kirk does seem to be out of his mind, uh, thus confirming what Spock had told her. This sends Kirk into a rage, and he attacks Spock, to which Spock responds with a Vulcan death grip, seemingly killing Kirk. So Bones confirms that he's dead, and he's able to take his Kirk's body back to the Enterprise. But once back in the Enterprise, it's revealed that Kirk is actually okay, and Spock just knocked him out, and he reveals that he and Spock are actually on a real mission from Starfleet to obtain the Romulan's cloaking device. And Bones then gives Kirk cosmetic surgery to look like a Romulan, and Kirk finds his way back onto the Romulan ship. But meanwhile, Spock is cozying up to the Romulan commander in her quarters and getting all of her secrets with his very sexy ways. And they're about to do the deed, but when she goes to change, Spock radios Kirk, and the other Romulans on the ship uh, detect his outgoing call. So the Romulan security come to her quarters and interrupt the two of them, uh, saying that they intercepted an alien signal from her room. So the Romulan commander immediately realizes that they must be scheming to get the cloaking device. So they run to engineering to discover that it's already gone. Kirk has already beamed back with it to the Enterprise. So Spock is now stuck in the Romulan ship, and he admits to what they have done to the commander, and she's very disappointed and saddened that he's not in love with her. And he asks what their form of execution currently is, seemingly accepting his fate. But he knows that he just needs to buy time to let his friends come and rescue him. And right he is, because back on the Enterprise, Scotty is trying to install the cloaking device on the Enterprise, and Chekhov is trying to isolate Spock's signature on the Romulan ship so he can beam him back over. And they're finally able to beam Spock back, but the Romulan commander sees him about to transport, and she grabs him, so she's transported back to the Enterprise as well. And once they are on board, uh, Spock Kirk orders the Enterprise to book it back to Federation space, but they're being hotly pursued by the Romulans. But Scotty is able to activate the cloaking device just in time to evade the Romulans. And Kirk says that the Romulan commander can stay on the ship in regular quarters, not the brig. And they'll drop her off at the nearest uh, station. Meanwhile, Spock escorts her to her quarters, confiding in her that he may have actually developed real feelings for her along the way. And that is the Enterprise incident. What do you think of it, Steve? So, things I liked. Uh, we got an opening monologue from bones yeah which was a cool difference i don't know if we've seen that before very rarely yeah uh kirk being kind of a dick which also <laughs> another rare thing we don't actually get to see that often uh, i thought the idea of the romulans using the klingon designs was cool mm -hmm. um romulan cloaking device also cool and something that's called back many times in the remainder of track yeah um it felt I, I liked the the sort of the difference of Kirk and Spock agree to go over to the Romulan ship in exchange for two of theirs and Kirk and Spock go over like unarmed and very submissive and the two Romulans get beamed aboard and they both immediately pull their guns on Scotty. <laughs> I thought that was, I was strange. Like, I just thought it was a cool it was a good juxtaposition. I like how Scotty rolls his eyes too. He's like, God, oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, female commander of the Romulan vessel was a nice surprise. 
and actually a good reveal for once. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we got some good subtle wrist and hand stroking. <laughs> that comes back People later too. Pung far in each other. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which we see later in Trek and Trek movies. Uh, so it was cool to see that sort of initial yeah. bout of that. Things I maybe struggled with a little bit. Uh, Shatner really went over the top a few times. The I'll kill you thing. I'll kill you. Itself was kind of nuts and not in a great way. Um, some some of the like Spock seduction scenes were really long and overdrawn. Oh, there I, was, was I was being so drawn into his eyes. Seductive I was... flute music <laughs> that I wanted to stab my ears out. <laughs> listen to the listen to the show. Three quarters was backed by seductive flute music. Flute doesn't I, do it for you, huh? <laughs> I guess not. Um. And then I think the reveal with Spock was just too early that he's still loyal. Mm. And it took all the air out of the episode. Like as soon as they see that the um, the cloaking device is gone, that's kind of like he reveals himself, basically. Right. right. But that just no, it was actually it was a little earlier than that. It was uh, before Kirk came back at some point. It's like when they discover that the alien signal is coming from within the room. Yeah. 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 Um, and that just happened too early. There was too much episode after that. But I think that if that moment could have been saved for later, if we could have been led a little bit further that Spock had betrayed the crew, it would have made the turn better. And so that's just more of a pacing and spacing sort of thing. I can see that. Uh, fucking seductive flute music. I mentioned that. <laughs> and then why was the cloaking mechanism so easy to steal? <laughs> Unscrew it. <laughs> He did nothing. Like he just like twisted it. Like, oh thank God it's plug and play cloaking device. <laughs> it's like a USB C just it's light enough and small enough to fit under my arm. How convenient. <laughs> um that that also felt like a uh, come on. Come on. Uh but overall a pretty good episode. Seeing Kirk as a Romulan was in itself its own sort of amusing. Yeah. Um and some decent acting, though a little bit over the top. I really enjoyed the opportunity to see Spock just really just he was she was pretending to she was thinking she was seducing him. But the whole time, it's really Spock seducing her and he's laying it on thick and like saying things in this like very logical, but somehow still very sexy way. You know, like I thought that was really cool. So that's really going to drew me into that that part of the episode. It's just it was very true. We've, We've watched Kirk seduce so many women. Thank God Spock finally got a turn. And he gets to say it in these really funny, like, logical ways, which I thought was amusing. Um, but yeah, so, uh, yeah, generally pretty good episode. Not as bad as Liberace, in your opinion, then. So that's good. God, Liberace is so bad. <laughs> so we have some trivia for this episode. Um, some fun stuff, because it's a very substantial lore episode as far as Star Trek goes. Oh, absolutely. Um, this episode is the first to feature a female starship commander, which is groundbreaking. That's pretty cool. Um, the Romulan cloaking device prop, as you mentioned, it could screw out very easily, was created using the Sargon globe from Star Trek original series Return to Tomorrow, which we've watched, okay. and portions of the Nomad probe from the Changeling. So it's okay. all reused props. I got to use what you got. Yep. This was the last live action appearance of the Romulans in Star Trek franchise until the Next Generation episode, The Neutral Zone, 20 years Whoa, later. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. 20 years after that. Uh, DC Fontana, the writer of this episode, her initial inspiration for this episode and its title was the Pueblo Incident, 
which involved the capture of an American intelligence gathering ship, the USS Pueblo, by North Korean forces during the Vietnam War. North Korea claimed, without evidence, the ship had violated its territorial waters. The incident occurred on January 23, 1968, just two months before Fontana completed her first draft story outline for this episode. So she pulled it right from the headlines, basically. Um, although the crew was released after nearly a year, North Korea still maintains possession of the vessel as a war trophy to this day. They still have that Whoa. ship. So that's all this episode was inspired by that absolutely happening two months before this happened. Um, in the opening segment, in regards to the enemy vessels, Spock declares Romulans now using Klingon design, like you mentioned earlier, that you like that. Uh, there are several explanations slash theories that have been advanced as to why the Romulans use Klingon ships. But the real reason is simply because the original Romulan model ship was gone. So a non-union independent creative designer, Wa Chang, designed and built the original Romulan Bird of Prey model for the Balance of Terror episode. That's when we first meet the Romulans in the original right. series. Um, he's also the creator of several iconic Trek costumes and props, including the communicator, the phaser, salt vampires, tribbles, just to name a few. Um, but after Balance of Terror, the model Bird of Prey was returned to Chang and as per his contract, but he eventually disposed of it as he had limited storage and there was never any contractual obligations with CBS to retain the prop. Um, however, either through poor planning or poor communication or both, Season 3's Enterprise Incident production staff, expecting to reuse the Season 1 Romulan model, learned from Chang that it was gone. So <laughs> the decision was made to modify the story to use only Klingon model ships which were kept by the studio. Um, asking Chang to construct a new Romulan model ship would have been cost prohibitive. Economically, switching to Klingon vessels was the obvious solution. But if you watch it today, like we did, Steve and I did on, on Paramount Plus, it's the remastered version. So they still keep those two Klingon ships, but we do see a Romulan vessel as the main vessel that we have most of this episode on um, because they add that in digitally in the remastered version. So it's kind of funny that they're, but the whole reason why suddenly Romulans are using Klingon ships is because they didn't have the model anymore, which is pretty funny. Uh, one of the most famous lines in this episode is, there's no such thing as a Vulcan death grip. Um, and in one of Peter David's New Frontier series novels, uh, Soleda, a Vulcan character kills a Romulan guard with what she calls the Vulcan death grip. And when another character says, there's no such thing as a Vul Vulcan death grip, uh, she glances at the body, then replies, there is now. <laughs> so she, she literally kills someone in that book and that becomes canon, kind of. But anyways, that's some fun trivia there. And uh, I think we might have some Trek connection, Muppet connections. Oh, boy, do we. In Deep Space Nine, Julian Bashir hmm. is gifted with a Holla Suite program. One of the characters is a Vegas showgirl named Ginger, who once shared a bill as uh, the same bill as Liberace. Oh, that's right. Both Leonard, Leonard, blah, both Leonard Nimoy and Liberace uh, released under the Dot Records label. Ah. Yep. Liberace was a guest performer on multiple episodes of Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In. Other folks who have made appearances on Laugh-In include Leonard Nimoy and Ricardo Montalban. Very nice. And Joanne Linville, who played the Romulan commander, whose name was literally Romulan commander, from what I can see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was on one episode of Kojak, which stars Telly Savalas, who had a cameo in the Muppet movie as a, sort of a, a tough guy in the El Slizo Cafe. Oh, yeah. But no love boat connections, huh? Uh, there were some tenuous ones. <laughs> like, 
other oh. Romulans had been on a episode of Love Boat. <laughs> that's hilarious. So, yes. So the you, you still kind of look for one. That's really funny. I kind of did, but it wasn't strong enough. <laughs> but that's okay, because these two episodes were basically the same episode. I mean, I'm pretty sure I just watched one of them twice. Oh, yeah. It's like, you had, what are the similarities that you saw? I mean, I saw so Both many. feature someone pretending to fit in, Gonzo claiming that he's actually a turkey, and Kirk pretending to be a Romulan. That's very true, because I said the same kind of thing. Uh, Liberace transformed into that new outfit that scared Sam the Eagle, just like Kirk transformed <laughs> into a Romulan. <laughs> Uh, both p- feature people with unexplained medical conditions, the Swedish chef having a percolator for a head, <laughs> and Kirk's sudden ailment from the Vulcan death grip that doesn't exist. That makes sense. Uh, so Liberace puts on a song and dance for the Muppets, just like Spock and Kirk put on a, quote, song and dance for the crew and Enterprise of the Enterprise and the Romulan vessel by pretending that they're, they're, they're actually at odds with each other, but they're not. Oh, I see what you yeah, mean. Yeah, 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 song and dance, yeah, yeah. Wait, what's that? Oh my god. Transporter malfunction. Transporter malfunction. Alright, it's the part of the show where we transport one character from one of the episodes to the other, and vice versa. What you got for us, Steve? This week, Muppet to Trek, I've got bring over the dancing birds to replace all the Romulans. I just want to see them wearing those fancy uniforms. <laughs> that would be nice. It'd be a lot of birds. A lot uh, of birds. I want to see Liberace transport over to be the Romulan commander, hands down. Because that would be just so great, like him being in there with Spock, like just be like being really over the top flirting with Spock and trying to convert yeah. him to join the other side. Do you like my rings? You paid for them. The real. <laughs> uh, tricked him up as this week. I've got Spock replacing Gonzo, uh, trying to talk his way into the bird number, but it's just a clever ruse to gain some pertinent information. <laughs> He'll do it very calmly as well. I am a turkey, as you can see. Logically, you must uh, understand that I'm a turkey. Uh, I say gobble, so logic dictates I'm a turkey. Gobble, gobble, gobble. (laughs) I have, uh, from Trek to Muppets, have uh, Angry Kirk transports over to take the place of Liberace. (laughs) So, like, beginning of the episode, Kirk just, like, banging on the piano, like, just really angrily. (laughs) I'm picking the finalists. Get out of here. Where's the birds? Where are the birds? I'll kill them. So that brings us to the end of episode 58 of the Muppet Trek podcast. Join us next time for the Muppet Show with special guest Marissa Berenson. And original series episode, The Paradise Syndrome. So from the lovers, the dreamers, and us. Live long and prosper, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Muppet Trek podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. This podcast has been brought to you by A Play on Nerds. <laughs>